professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense, dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where two friends get together and talk about the story behind the matches. I'm Matt. And I'm Michael. This is episode two, Starcade 84. 84. The Million Dollar Challenge. Oh, last time I said the tagline after you said Starcade 84, I screwed it up. That's okay. The Million Dollar Challenge is a uh, much better name because it doesn't give away the finish of your pay-per-view. No, it does not. <laughs> but does anyone actually have a million dollars to no, be giving away? No, the attendance is 16,000 people. We're, yes. we're in 84, who has a million dollars? Guess supposedly Jim Crockett. I guess that's feuds when uh, when you're not uh, when before cable is like ah well what do people care about money we'll just put we'll just say that we're putting our own money on the line because that's worth fighting for. So obviously, as we said, we're going back to 1984 this week, November 1984. A whole year. Ronald Reagan had just defeated Walter Mondale to remain in the White House. Band Aid. Band-Aid? Not the uh, thing that you put on your arm, but the collection of musical artists, Band-Aid, had just recorded Do They Believe It's Christmas to raise money for famine in Ethiopia. Oh. That famous... It's, yeah, that is that... Uh, where they all like... Yeah, are, but they've done that a few times where there's yeah, like a I bunch mean, of there's pop Live stars. Aid Yeah, and Live Band-Aid. Aid. Band-Aid was the, Band-Aid the was first one. in 84. Who is the, like... Who are the hot stars in that? Is the same ones? You uh, 2 I believe, was... I believe Bono sang in that one. Of course, um, Matt, the Glor- resident U2 fan. Gloria Estefan, maybe. Uh, Retha Franklin, maybe. Uh, yeah. I don't remember who all was on there. I might have to look that up later. But the day, the very first thing that this person may have ever watched was Starcade 84, and that is Scarlett Johansson. November 22nd, 1984 is Scarlett Johansson's birthday. <sighs> Whatever. <laughs> it's a fun piece of trivia. It, the most famous person I could find that yeah, was born, was born day. that day. Yeah. So yeah, Starcade '84. The show starts with a recap of the finish from Starcade '83. Oh, also, this is in the same building as Starcade '83. It's still NWA. It's still Jim Crockett. Yeah, literally, still Greensboro. Yeah. NWA. Nothing changed. And still There's, on closed circuit yeah. television. I think the only thing that's different. The is attendance is 500 more people. There might be more people watching on the closed circuit televisions this year. Yeah. I don't know. I couldn't find a number for this year. Because we still have Bob Cottle, Gordon Soley are still our announcers. Tony Schiavone still. Tony Schiavone still in the back. Still in the back. No, no Barbara Clary though this year. Oh, she doesn't do any of the. She doesn't no. do because they don't do it's really a, any uh, uh, crowd interview crowd stuff. Interview stuff That's a bummer. Time. I love seeing those old crowds. It's just it's so fun. It was fun. There's 11 matches on this card. Let's get into it. Oh, gee, yeah. First match: Denny Brown versus Mike Davis for the NWA World Junior Heavyweight Championship. 30 minute time limit. We're gonna need all 30 One minutes. One fall. <laughs> First note I have is the most famous person in this match is Earl Hebner, the referee. I have no clue who Denny. I don't either. Denny Brown or Mike I, Davis. I know that as soon as this match started, I probably 
popped harder than I did for 83 because there was, I mean, they're junior heavyweights, but it immediately started with Denny Brown doing three in Are a row. Are you sure it was Denny Brown? I'm, uh, yeah, my, my notes say DB, baby. Because I uh, could not tell you which one was which. Were they both wearing the same sh- color shorts? I that think happens so. A lot. I know Denny Brown's the heel. He did three head scissors on Mike Davis, and I was immediately like, okay, cool. Like, this is some wrestling I can watch. It didn't start it was, with wrist control. It, it, it started out real hot. Yeah. I, I liked it. There was even a, and I may get these names completely wrong, because like I said, Don't worry, I, the head scissors turned not, into wrist I control. I could not remember who was who when writing these notes. So Brown trips Davis, trips over Davis, and then he fell through the ropes, hurting his back, which he, um, which he then sold, the yeah. which he then sold through the rest of the match. So that was good. Big. What's wrestling without selling? I'm selling big on, on selling like, a limb. Man. You hurt something, sell it for yeah. the rest of the match. I love it. The finish, like this, is literally how much I love this match. I'm going to the finish right now. <laughs> It was, it was a fun way to start off. Maybe I was just excited because there was like some more modern-looking wrestling yeah, to I, start I, off with. It was, there was definitely more athletic I mean, they're, Yeah, they're, it's junior heavyweight. They're going exactly. to move more. But Davis does a belly-to-back suplex. Suplex. With a bridge. And we get the, oh, yeah, it looks nice. And we get a one, two, three. Uh-huh. But Brown, who's the one who took the suplex, uh-huh. gets a shoulder up. At the last second, but they counted the one, two, three. Uh huh. And then the re- and then Earl. There's eleven Hed- matches. They got to move it. Man. And then Earl Hebner <laughs> grabs the arm of Brown. Yes. And they announce him. And new. Yeah. With my my notes say uh, WTF MD, which is Mike Davis with pin DB, which is Denny Brown with belt question mark fucked finish five minutes. That's the end of my notes for this match. And and even even Bob and Gordon have no clue what's going on. I have no clue. This what's is the, yeah. The wrestler has no clue. Like Davis has no clue what's going on. Is this, the, is this the original Montreal screw job? <laughs> this, this it whole, is Earl Hebner. This whole show is like just a sea of fucked finishes. Yes, very much so. Guy who took the suplex mm-hmm. is supposedly Suplea. the person who was covering the guy who delivered it and gets. The win. It's yeah. It was it was a match, and there was some fun wrestling in it. But uh, yeah, that finish. Uh, next, next, <laughs> and, and then they show a replay, which is a running theme in this in this show. Yeah, they show a replay after every match of of, Rick of, the, of the finish. Uh, iconic <laughs> crossbody. Well. well after each match, they show the finish of each match as well. And yeah. it's just like, there's so many... Oh, you up... mean of the, of the match that just happened? Yeah. Okay. And there's so many effed up finishes in this show that it's like, really, is that what you should be doing? <sighs> what are they going to do? It makes no sense. So no, They already had it planned out. It was part of the Exactly. Direction. I thought you were talking about the replays of... Uh, well, they keep showing of, that, too. Of Flair for the gold, because they show that replay I, a lot. I think they show that three or four times. It's just like, that was last year, guys. Yeah. Uh, Tony Schiavone's back in the locker room doing his... Uh, locker room thing talking about flair and then literally he just forgets what he's saying it yeah was, it was pretty yeah. probably the worst tony shivani moment i've ever seen but then we go to our he's, second he's match still, he's still 12 <laughs> he, he's, <laughs> but he has a mustache oh he has yeah. the creeper stash this year we move on to our second match we have brian adias versus mr ito who's obviously the heel because he's foreign fun note about mr ito though he has no shoes on well, that. <laughs> he wrestles in Japan at this time as the character Yum- Yumasuka Yude. I probably 
butchered that yeah, name. I murdered it. That's fine. But I'm from Oklahoma, so it's okay. It is said that fans of NJPW, New Japan, right now, one of their top guys, Evil. Oh, yeah? Actually bases his persona... After Mr. Ito? On that Yuita character that he did in Japan. Oh, I'm going to have to go back and look at that. I, uh, I like Evil. I'm more of a Sonata guy, but I like Evil. Exactly. But basically, this Adidas-Ito match, it's a four-minute-long squash match to show off Adidas' athletic ability. Yep. And I feel like the match went... It went four minutes, and it was four minutes too long. Yeah, uh, we got the airplane airplane spin to finish, which is pretty which pretty cute. He did the airplane spin, and then he just kind of like, like like just kind of laid, laid him down. down on the, it was the softest drop to the mat yeah. I've ever seen. But he gets the one, two, three, and then, as I said, replays the, the finish, finish of the yeah, match. Finish, yeah, at least I don't play it in slow mo. Can, can, can we? Can we? See, <laughs> like last least, yeah. last week, I was talking about Kaniski. Being the bane of my existence, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you right now. The replay is the bane. The replays were the thing that I was just like, "What are we doing?" I don't mind the replay. What's funny is that, like, in uh, nowadays, we'll get sometimes the slow mo replay if you're doing the, like the <laughs> yeah, WWE because they have the stuff. And like these, the wrestling is so, so slow in 1984 that there's no no need to slow it there's down. There's no. They probably reason. didn't have the technology for it anyway, but. Uh, you know exactly what's happening. So moving on to our third match, we're just we're just rocking and rolling through for the this. Florida State Championship. Who's the most very famous person that's holding the Florida State Championship? <laughs> Who knows? But this is Jesse Barr versus Mike Graham for the NWA Florida Heavyweight Championship. Actually, and Jesse I, Barr is the champ, right? At the moment, yes, he at was. This, at this at moment this, in 1984, actually, the Florida Championship was actually a pretty prestigious title. Well, yeah, it was a whole at ter- one point because thing. Was, yeah, and a lot of the bigger guys came from Florida. So, I, I'm sure Dusty Rhodes at one point was the Florida Heavyweight Champion. Yeah. So, this match was Rest Hold City. I, I don't remember anything from this. Rest oh. Hold City. Yeah, there's. Yeah, call. They're gonna call it in the ring, guys. <laughs> Literally half the match was Graham being put into a side headlock. The other half was Graham going after Barr's knee. Like literally, if he if he would get out of the headlock, he would grab him and just like start doing knee drops to the knee to hurt his knee. Yeah, I don't remember anything about that. Um, Graham walked in a figure four. Barr was able to get to the ropes. Uh, we had a sunset flip for a two oh, count. Yeah. Barr then threw Graham into the ropes. But the ref is there. So we got yeah, a ref bump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yay, ref bump. Yeah, hey, ref bump. Graham rolls, uh, rolls bar up with the schoolboy. Oh, yeah. it's just. But there's no count because the ref's laying over there on the ground. Uh, Graham realizes, gives Barr an atomic drop into the corner. But Barr recovers with a single leg takedown and then puts his legs on the rope to use his leverage um, for the one, two, three. That is exactly what, That's the only thing I remember about that. Is the is the basically the this rope, match? I feel if the match had just been the last four minutes of the match, because this match went on eleven minutes. Eleven minutes of rest holds, one figure four, a sunset flip, and, uh, and a rough a, bump, a ref bump, and then the leverage pin. The lever, yeah, that's leverage literally. Pin. That's yeah. So if this match had been the last four minutes, it would have been really entertaining, but it just could not make up for that first seven minutes of. Absolutely nothing happening. Let's kill all the momentum that you have from the first two matches, which 
weren't great matches, but there was some athletic ability going on, when and we just we just got an eleven match card. Does match three need to be your pee break? Exactly. <laughs> Is there something with does Tully Blanchard come in here at all? So the very next thing after this match, we cut to a clip of uh, the Long Riders, okay. which is Black Bart, Ron Bass, uh, with you say Tully. The what, the what riders? The Long Riders. Oh, they said lawn. No, the long, <laughs> like long. Yeah, I got you. That's not a very good. They one. were Black Bart and Ron Bass were a tag team, and Tully Blanchard kind of was. Uh, teaming with them because J.J. Dillon was their manager. Yeah. At some show, they beat up Dick Slater and Ricky Steamboat. I don't really know why they showed that right at this point because none of those guys' matches are or, coming up yeah. next. So I mean, it, it, almost, yeah. it almost felt like it was out of place. They're trying to get you pumped for it later in the show. I guess so. And then once again, we see a replay of the Bar Graham finish, which was like, yeah, he put his... Feet up on the ropes. We, we get it. Thanks. Move on. Moving on. Fourth this... match. Assassin number one is back. Oh, yeah, but he's not. Where's Assassin number two? He's not with Assassin number it's two. This Buzz time he's Tyler. with Buzz Tyler versus the Zambui Express, which is Elijah Akeem and Kareem Muhammad. Who are both very big guys. But here's the surprising thing. Remember in 83, Assassin number one was with Paul Jones. But now he's Paul Jones not. Is the manager? Paul Jones. Yeah, he was the manager. But now Paul Jones is with the Z- Zambui oh, Express. Okay. And that was basically the story behind this match. Oh. Assassin number one. So why Buzz Tyler? Had broken away from the Paul Jones army, and Buzz Tyler had basically come out and helped out Assassin number one. Yeah. They had turned Assassin number one face at this point. Well, where was Assassin two? Assassin number two. Assassin number two took his mask had, off, had, and he's had, Buzz. Yeah, he was already he was already gone. He had already taken his mask off and oh, yeah, left town. Yeah, basically. so Buzz Tyler is uh, just 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 there. Random other. How guy. can you be assassin number one and then like and Buzz Tyler? And why are you assassin if you're a face? I don't. I That's don't know. He's definitely question. he's definitely the baby here. He is. So I feel like the Express went to the kids section for their shirts. Oh yeah, you gotta make them look big. They had like red on. It was like black and like gorilla. Okay. But their shirts were just like way too small for them, because they were big. Like they were think, big boys. Yeah. They, they were like two visceras. I don't know if they were viscera big. Uh, maybe not that big, but like literally, probably if you combine them, they were one viscera. Viscera is Mabel, right? I don't remember. Oh, probably. It's gonna make me sound real, real woke if that's not true. <laughs> literally, this match is. Kind of a nothing match. Uh, yeah, at it's one just, point, it's Tyler, basically in all four, they just brawl. It, it was an, elimina- brawl. Oh, it was so an no, elimination yeah. match. Yeah, it was an elimination, which is an interesting uh, way to do a tag, but I don't think it really works when there's only two tag teams. When it's well. only two versus two, an yeah. elimination match seems kind of weird. Because Tyler and Akeem get knocked out of the ring. And brawl on the floor. And they brawl on the floor, and it literally feels like it's just like for a couple seconds, and then all of a sudden, you can see the ref kind of like point at the bell and like, like, they're counted out, and so I was just like, was that the quickest 10 count ever? Because, like, I had no clue why they yeah. weren't getting back in the ring, and then all of a sudden, because then Tyler walks around to the other side of the ring, and Assassin 1 has been pushed up against the ropes, and he just pushes him, he pushes Assassin 1 from the outside, and he falls onto Muhammad, and they get the 1-2-3, and saying. then and the ref, ref raises Assassin 1's hand, Literally, no one knows what's going on. This is what I have: is all four brawl. Buzz 
uh, punches a member of the Zambuya Express so hard he falls out of ring. Assassin one and Buzz Tyler with control. Probably gonna stop taking notes. <laughs> Never mind. The match is over. <laughs> For, uh, yeah, one of the Zambuya Express gets a pin. Gets gets pinned by Buzz Tyler. WTF exclamation point. It's like, such a, it was such a, just think, a bizarre uh, ending. Yeah, I think we gave like, this match too much of our uh, of our time. Exactly. Already. It was just like, uh, like I said, Bob and Gordy had no clue what's going on. I, I was just like, okay, sure, cool. Assassin won. How many matches was um, Starcade 84? 84 is 11 matches. Is 80, is it? it no, 83, I mean. 83 was 83 was, was eight? 8 matches. Yeah. Well, this, this show is 3 matches uh, too long, and... Well, we can definitely cut. But they're the same that's length. That's the other thing. They're the same length. Well, yeah. This bunch had to yeah, yeah, this is, yeah, three this, more matches. This is what's going on. But I this guess. is we why. Yeah. Because they just had these weird endings. Bang for, bang for your buck. They're all... They're exactly. Also, they're also messed up. Uh, Bob and Gordy start recapping the first four batches. Like, why? Oh, we're but but here's, the, here's the best part. So, I've been playing about the replays. After every match, showing the finish... They don't show a replay of this match. Because there's no when finish. It, they it would have actually them. made sense to show a replay because no one yeah. knew what was ha- what they happened. They just like lifted a hand and were like, ah, next. They throw it back to Tony. He's in the back with Dusty Rhodes. We get a Dusty Rhodes promo where he's the prettiest man in business. Uh, I could listen to Dusty Rhodes. Uh, oh, no, wait. It's prettiest man in the universe. Oh, not man. in the business. Sorry. I messed it up. It's all right. I didn't, I didn't do Dusty. didn't do Dusty Proud. Then we get the fifth match. We're already on to the fifth match. We're just, we're rocking and rolling this week. Yeah. The fifth match, we get Raging Bull, Manny Fernandez, which they technically never say his name. They just say Raging Bull. I, I mean, I have notes, Manny Fernandez, and I didn't look it up. So they had maybe to they, it Maybe they did say it then. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I didn't ever hear yeah. it, but maybe I just missed it. Versus Black Bart, who has J.J. Dillon in his corner. For the NWA Brass Knuckles Championship. How is there a Brass Knuckles Championship? It's basically the hardcore title from back yeah, in the I day. Mean, yeah, but the, yeah. JJ Dillon actually is the Hall of Famer in this uh, bunch of people. Um, he's a member of the Professional Wrestling and the WWE Hall of Fame. So this match. Black Bart's got a hat and a rope. Yes, that's cool. He, he's I'm like cool. With that. He's like an old school like. He's just a cowboy. He's what Hangman Page. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good. Yeah, uh, Ray, Raging Bull uh, basically is some is basically the opposite. He's like your here's the sombrero thing. boy. Raging Bull at this time was actually the tag team champion with Dusty Rhodes. Oh, really? So that's why the tag that's team cool. championship. That explains why Manny Fernandez was uh, so over. He was exactly. He was definitely the baby. Granted, exactly. the guy with like a you know rope around his neck is probably gonna be the bad guy. Probably gonna be the heel. Yeah, definitely. Neither man is wearing brass knuckles. No, they just have tape on their There's hands. Taped fists. I'm There's assuming brass knuckles underneath there. Maybe there were. You don't want to. You don't. If you're fighting a guy with brass knuckles, you don't want to lose your brass knuckles. You got to tape them to your hand. <laughs> I get the idea. It's just silly. Yes, definitely. I'm glad that neither of them had brass knuckles uh, on. That would have been very, very, <laughs> very violent. Black Bart oversold chops to the chest like a mofo. Yeah. I, I was just like, okay, okay dude, calm Yeah, Raging Bull. Calm down. I remember, yeah, Raging Bull was nice and flamboyant. Some good presence. Both men ended up bleeding because, you know, those tape fists just. It's a brass knuckles. Knuckles make you bleed and all. Like I said, uh, the chops. A chop from Raging Bull sent Black Bart over the top rope 
Is that when we get the color? Followed by an elbow off the apron. No, they had already they had already started bleeding just from the punches yeah, from to the, each other. Yeah, from the yeah the brawl exchange. Which that that was just a cool move. Um, but the finish basically sees Bart. Bart has kind of gotten Raging Bull down from punches and everything, and he goes over to JJ Dillon to like, I want my rope. Give me my rope, so he can like yeah you know do something to do him. Some heel shit. Raging Bull sneaks up behind him for the schoolboy royal up. One, two, every, three. Is that how every match? I, I feel like no one knows how to do an actual pin. What did the, the, the what roll up? The schoolboy roll up. Schoolboy? Yeah. All right. It's where you sneak in from behind. Yeah, so just, even I just didn't. I mean, basically, I they used the schoolboy roll up. Yeah. Obviously, we get another replay. Then we're told, hey, we're going to have an intermission, so let's show that race flare finish from 83 again. Oh, yeah. Yay. Mm, world's best crossbody. Then we go back to Tony, who's now with Ricky Steamboat in the back. They find, they reshow that Long Riders beatdown that they showed earlier. Makes more sense at this point, because now we're talking about... Yeah. Um, Steamboat gives actually a pretty good promo. He's still hurt, but doesn't want to tell anyone how bad he's hurt. Yeah, you don't want to give it away. Bob and Gordy trying to kill some more time so Tony can get to the other locker room. And then he finally gets over there, talks to J.J. Dillon and Tully Blanchard... <laughs> Basically, they make fun of Steamboat for crying and whining about how bad he's hurt. And, yeah. And all that good stuff. What do they say what is hurt on him? Or he guess he doesn't want to give it away. We'll he doesn't it. want to give it away, but it's 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 told during the... During the uh, but actually, the best moment of this promo, Tony is starting to kind of kick it back to Bob and Gordy for the, for the match that's about to happen. Yeah. But he's kind of explaining the rules of what's, what's going to happen during the Ricky... Tully match because it's like a non-DQ J.J. Dillon can't be out there and everything you just see Dillon like turns and just gives this like like what the yeah look at Tony like while he's delivering this it was like I was just like yeah J.J. Dillon that's <laughs> that's why you're a Hall of Fame so we move on out to the sixth match we get Paul Jones versus Tim Michael's favorite Jimmy Valiant in a tuxedo street fight, loser Valiant. leaves town match. Jimmy Valiant's my favorite. Uh, Valiant looks super familiar. Oh, it's. I, I oh. can't put my finger on it. I think I know where you're. I think I know where you're getting at. That's my. That's my boy. That's I think Brown. he's. I think he's from out of town. <laughs> he's downtown. He's out. He's from out of downtown. Something like that. But the crowd reaction for Jimmy Valiant is just. Out of this world, and we start getting—we actually start getting entrance music at this point too for all the wrestlers. Yeah, but I think that throughout this show, that some people have the same entrance music, and they're like just like not—I don't even know if they're playing it in the ring. I feel like they're just like pumping it into, into the soundboard. The, into the soundboard. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was actually in the yeah. in the also, crowd. Also, Jimmy Valiant isn't he? Is Assassin One come out with him, and Paul Jones has one of the Zambui boys with him? Yes. Why did Assassin Number One wear a tuxedo as well in this match? He was just standing on the outside. He's a, tr- he's a true friend. <laughs> if it was the, I mean, like he's a he's a big guy and he wears a mask. So if this was uh, ten years later, he would have been wearing like a tuxedo suit. He would have been like blue meaning it up. Exactly. Yes. When this match started, also a tuxedo street fight has that ever happened again since then? I have no clue. What like what's the point in wearing a tuxedo outside of it? Jimmy Valiant, Charlie Brown looks great in one. Literally, when the point when the match started, I was like, "So is the point of the match to take, take the tuxedo off? off?" Yeah, it's like a bra and panties match. Or like, like I didn't quite understand what was going on because 
at one point, Valiant, like, ties Paul Jones. And Paul Jones always wears a tuxedo. And Maybe I think that's both, that's yeah. the reason why they had the tuxedo yeah. part. So he hogged... I, what did he do? It was like zip ties, wasn't it? Like, to the ring. Oh, did, he, did, he, did, he, did he use his own tie? I don't exactly remember. But he, but it's he been tie, a couple of weeks since But he tied Paul Jones up to the ring yeah. and started undressing him. That was, that was fun. It was funny. But then Valiant took his own jacket off. And like... And so I was just like, well, no. maybe this isn't the point of the match. Yeah. I don't really know. Maybe just trying to embarrass him. Exactly. So Maybe it's like who, if like they rented the tuxedos and if you get yours ripped up, then like you got to pay for it. The other, the other person gets <laughs> it's it like, for free. It's like, it's like low, low stakes, uh, low stakes um, money. But like you said, Akeem came with Paul Jones and Akeem gets up on the apron at one point and that allows Paul Jones to... Kind of get away from the ropes. There's a little bit of brawling. The finish basically sees Akeem getting back up on the apron again. Valiant goes to hit him. Paul Jones gets cut the fuck open at some point. I, I don't have no clue how. Like, <laughs> it, 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 like yeah. once again, it's another match. It it's definitely like, wasn't a razor blade. What? Yeah, it was like, definitely a cluster. Uh... Uh, Valiant goes to hit Akeem. Somehow the ref gets bumped. Mayhem breaks out. And then J.J. Dillon... Is all of a sudden in the ring, which why is I, I don't know how he's a part of either of these people, like what he has to do with any of these people that are in this match. Hits Valiant with a foreign object and then pulls Jones on top of Valiant. Yeah. And Ref wakes up. We get the, the one, two, three. And the crowd is hot. Crowd is not happy. Crowd, Jimmy yeah. Valiant. Crowd's on my side. Jimmy Valiant down Jimmy Valiant's no longer. In town, can no longer come oh, into town. It is, it's a loser. Because it's a loser leaves town match. So Jimmy Valiant's no longer around. Does he do like this, like slow walk away? Uh, he doesn't do anything. Hulk. It's just like, <laughs> like out they of just, town. Technically, after the one, two, three, they just shoot right back to Tony Schiavone in the back with Ric Flair. Throws him, throws a classic Ric Flair promo out there. Yeah, I'm the best. He's the number one stud the biggest in purse. the land. This is the biggest purse ever. He says he also uh, taunts, uh, I think he says, uh, what's up, daddy? Uh, taunting um, Dusty Rhodes a little bit. Yeah. That's fun. My favorite line was the number one stud in the land. Because <laughs> he's stuck. Those, those, those eyebrows, man. Heck yeah. But literally goes straight into the next match after this promo. We get Ron Bass with J.J. Dillon. Uh, Cowboy Ron Bass. Cowboy Ron Bass. <laughs> the mid- versus... Dick Slater for the Mid Atlantic Championship. Yeah, Mid Atlantic Heavyweight Championship. Are we gonna need all forty-five of these minutes? This match is <laughs> Shoot, <laughs> it's the same. The story behind this match is the same as with a Steamboat Tully Blanchard match. The Long Riders beat up Slater and Steamboat, so now they're going after one of them went after Bass, one of them yeah. went after Tully Blanchard, basically. That everybody like the amount of. Police escorts to the ring. I've always loved a good police escort to the ring. Well, they kept going through... Like, that was the other thing. Like, instead of having, like, an actual entrance, they just kept going through the The ring or through the crowd. Crowd. And it's like, why don't you... Well, there's always, like, the... Yeah, they do the police escort. They did it in 83, basically, just with maybe the last two matches. I mean, that's the only ones they showed. Like, literally everybody else was just already in the ring. Yeah, that's true. They did note Flair and Harley Race were the only two that got entrances. But in this one, we start getting... Valiant got an entrance, and then the last like four matches all got entrances. 
So Valiant got an entrance. Yeah, because they play because they play because they played to Paul Jones and Paul Jones they played didn't get Boogie an entrance. Woogie Man over the. Oh yeah, I have some notes in here about just being like, this funk song is cool. But back to Ron Bass and Dick Slater. Basically, the match starts. Slater just keeps jumping out of the ring to go after J.J. Dillon. Like, for some reason, he's not even concerned about Cowboy Ron Bass at no. all. He just wants J.J. Dillon. Blood feud, baby. Yeah. How, why, like, I feel like J.J. Dillon has more screen time than, like, anybody. It's like at every I mean, he's, managing, he's managing everybody, man. Yeah. That's the thing. You gotta, you gotta make that moolah by managing more than one person. He's definitely not a Paul Heyman guy. Finally, at one point, uh, Slater, Slater would get caught up. Dylan would actually get some cheap shots in. Slater would get on the comeback, but throw like literally, he's like punching Ron Bass, and the ref's trying to get in, get in between them, and he throws the ref out of the ring, does a belly to back suplex, but the ref's not around for the count, so we got the ref bump. Yeah, we got a little uh, of those ref bumps. Is that is the they do it again? They do the he'll fight a buzzsaw and give it the first two rounds. Did you say it, it again? They said it again. It's in my notes. Like anytime they say the the commentary is so like drab. Anytime they say something interesting, I've got to put it down. And they did that again because I was like, I like this. Whatever. Uh, also, there's a uh, crawling headbutt that Dick Slater does to Ron Bass that I love, where he's like on his hands and knees and he like headbutts him while he's on his hands and knees. And I <laughs> not only do I have it written down, but I have it underlined, so I must have liked it a lot. You must have liked it. Yeah. I- I don't even remember. My last, I don't remember that. My name. last uh, note for this match is I like DS, who is Dick Slater. <laughs> so I obviously like Dick Slater. You like Dick? I like Dick. All right, man. I, after that ref bump, Dylan gets in the ring, kicks Slater. Slater no-sells the kick, which I thought was a cool thing. Yeah. Starts beating up on JJ. Then he body presses and leg drops on Bass. But then all of a sudden... The- then all of a sudden the ref like runs in and, and just dis- raises the hand of Cowboy Ron yeah, Bass. Yeah, he's, he's disqualifying Slater for slamming the, the him out of the ring. Yeah, that that's what everyone yeah. I guess agrees to. That's what yeah. happened. And I'm then like, I have here uh, Dick Slater Rex Shop. I like Dick Slater. Yes. <laughs> and then of course we get the replay of Slater throwing the ref yeah. out of the ring. Ron because... Bass with the the like technical win. Yeah. The crowd's hot. And then we go to Bob and Gordy. They. It, it seems obvious they're trying to waste some time, and then it felt like they were throwing to a commercial for a like a during a television show because it was like this weird like awkward ending. Yeah, and like the dead. But air. it's just like dead air for there for a second. But then we get cut it. to the American flag. Cut to the American flag. USA chant. Don't forget the USA chant. Trumpet solo version. Yes, it's great though. Of the national anthem, it's fantastic. Which is great. It's yes. very fun. I am, I am not particularly interested in uh, going to any event and having to listen to the national anthem or sit through. But uh, if it's always played on a trumpet, I'm good to go. You're good to go. Uh, yes, brings out the USA chant, which brings out Ole Anderson and Keith Larson with Don Kernoodle. Yeah, hometown faves, and I just love the placement of the national anthem here. Because you, I'll, I'll give it, I'll, I'll give it to you. Because who comes out? Because after face these guys, because after the, after those guys come out to the USA chant and the national anthem, the Russian anthem starts. Yes. And out come um, Ivan and Nikita Kulov. And it's yeah, the the heat is real. It is eighty uh, four. It is eighty four. Cold <laughs> War is a real thing. Oh man, it's so good. And it's like the one of the things the show does really well is just the placement of that national anthem. And the last show we got it before uh, the last match. The main event. Yeah. The main event. 
but uh, here they were smart enough to play it before we get our Russia versus USA exactly uh, blood feud. It's it was uh, yeah, it was fantastic. So out of these four guys, the Koloffs are actually the Hall of Famers. Ivan Koloff is a professional wrestling and wrestling observer newsletter Hall of Famer, and Nikita Koloff is a monster. Is a member of the NWA Hall of Fame. He just passed away um, yeah, last year, year, just recently, 2018. Yeah. So the story behind this match was that the Koloffs are had, Russian, but Don, <laughs> well, here's the thing: Don Carnoodle was actually Ivan's tag team partner, and as Carnoodle was a Soviet sympathizer. But after he and Ivan lost the NWA World Tag Team Championship, they turned on him. And they hurt him so bad that he's now on crutches. So his real-life brother, Keith Larson, teamed up with Ole Anderson to defend uh, his honor against the Koloffs. That's okay storytelling. I'm okay with that. That's pretty good. I, I liked it. It's, it's better than like, ah, they're Russian. So everyone knows about Wikipedia. Tell me more. Keith Larson... <laughs> Did not have okay. a Wikipedia page. Uh, He's the only person that did not have a page. So if anyone, if, if this in this entire goes for thirty episodes, do we make a Keith Larson T-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> he might be our first one. We definitely won't get uh, any cease and desist if we make a Keith we're Larson gonna be, T-shirt. We're going to be Keith Larson's fan, <laughs> fan club because I would definitely say this is probably the biggest match he was ever in. Keith Larson. So it's not the only one. Just not the, the only one, but definitely the biggest. It's not bad. He's on uh, I mean, match he, eight of eleven I, on the on the second. I would say game. he re- he wrestled also as Rocky Carnoodle because he wrestled yeah. with his brother in different territories as well. But for some reason, they credit him as Keith Larson here. I think it was more because he didn't want to be thought that he was being given things just because of his brother. Yeah, basically. that's understandable. That happens. Um, and also, Ivan and Nikita weren't really related either. Nikita was called Ivan's nephew, but they were not. Yeah. That's a kayfabe thing. So uh, so we see the match starts. Bell rings. Anderson and Larson charge over to start brawling with the Koloffs. But were, for some reason, they both show. went towards Ivan. Which he's the smaller man, right? And so there's this moment where Ole like, is hitting Ivan, and Keith Larson goes to like hit someone, and it's like, uh, there's no, no one... There's no one for me to hit. <laughs> it was just this weird, awkward moment. Like, you're supposed to go against the. He's like, I don't want Nikita. What's the finish? We'll call it in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> so, actually, the good guys worked over Ivan with lots of quick tags. I thought this was actually. Don't forget the, the shirt. We get some shirt rips. Oh, of course. You gotta have the shirt rips. <laughs> they work over Ivan, quick tags. I thought it was really good, actually, tag team. Yeah, work. the quick tags were fun. I've got a. Uh... I got, a, I got a star on my quick tag note. Kita, once he gets into the match, he slows the match down a little bit with a bear hug. Yeah. And the heels start working he's, over he's, Ole. He's so big that the bear hug works. Like, sometimes you get a bear yes. hug. Like, you can't just bear hug somebody. You gotta be you gotta be big and you gotta be mean looking to pull off a bear hug. And his bear hug didn't feel like a waste of my time. No. It didn't feel like a rest hold, even. Well, it's a fucking rest hold. Like, yeah. It, it, yeah it, felt it, good. it felt good. It felt good, yeah. And basically, kind of the story behind Nikita is he had really only started wrestling about eight months before this match. So he was a bodybuilder before then, right? Yes. Because he's gigantic. He's gigantic. and But they felt comfortable enough that he was ready to kind of take more more on. And he was kind of getting a push. 
And so, but that's the reason why his moveset is very limited at this point. It's okay. I thought he looked great. Exactly. But I am not mad at him. Ole gets the hot tag in to Larson. Larson doesn't get much offense in before the call-offs are back once again on top. We see Mayhem break out as all four men in the ring when Nikita is knocked out to the ground. But once he recovers on the outside, he starts. He runs around the ring and gives a Russian sickle, which is a lariat. Yeah. But they called it a Russian sickle. What's the difference between a lariat and a clothesline, Matt? I'm not quite sure. Do you know the difference? <laughs> no, I'm just asking. Okay. He gives the Russian sickle to Don Carnoodle, who's outside on his crutches and everything. Ole jumps out, goes, starts to brawl with Nikita, and inside the ring, Ivan grabs the foreign object, the chain, and hits Keith Larson in the head, gets the one, two, three, Koloffs take the victory. Yeah, which is great. Give him the, like, play the national anthem, let the Russians get the heat, let the Russians win. So good, so fun. Do like that. Uh, I think the second time Nikita puts uh, Ole in a bear hug, bear hug uh, they start like the refs don't know. Not the refs. The announcers don't know what to say about a bear hug, so they start make like playing up that like it's gonna mess with like the lactic acid in his body. <laughs> and I was yes. just like, what are they yes. even talking about at all? It was pretty. Uh, yeah, that's. I was like, oh. it's like not that they're crushing him. And that has nothing to do with the air in his body or his bones, but the lactic acid. The lactic acid. The lactic that's, acid. That's what, always, get, that's what I'm always concerned about yeah. whenever I get hugged. There's, we get a wonderful USA chant, of course, during the bear hugs. But this whole match is a USA chant. Exactly. So post-match, the Koloffs try and put Larson out of action. Canoodle limps into the ring, beats him up with his crutch to clear yeah. the ring. And we get a few more USA chants as the as the faces stand proud and in the ring. Oh, we get a is it a DQ finish, or did they actually did the no? He actually gets pin? he gets the three count. Yeah, oh, okay. he he hits him with an object, but the ref doesn't see it because he's dealing with Ole and Nikita on the outside. So we get once again another replay. Bob and Gordy start talking about the next match, which $10, is ten thousand dollars. Tully Blanchard and yeah. Ricky Steamboat for the NWA. World Television Championship. I feel like if you like World Championship, but if you put a World in front of Television Championship, it just makes it sound like a joke. It's like it's the Television Championship. Well, world Television Championship. I think there's at this point there's like the Florida uh, Television Championship and the yeah. Georgia Television Championship. So it's it's just one. That's the thing about NWA. It's like you have all these territories and yeah. then they have to decide on who's the best of the best or whatever. Tully Blanchard is a member. Of the NWA and WWE Hall of Fame. Current fans probably be familiar with his daughter, actually. Tessa Blanchard, who... Is an Impact right Impact now? Wrestling and other independent scene. Yeah, she was in the four-way at All In, right? Yep. So the story behind this match, both guys putting up the $10,000. Winner takes all. The DQ countout rule has been waived, making it nearly impossible for Tully Blanchard to cheat. And J.J. Dillon was banned from ringside. First match of the night without J.J. Dillon in the ringside. Right, right. <laughs> so Steamboat's music hits. Yeah, yeah. It was his beer. That was his beer and piss break. Steamboat's music, A plus. I don't I remember. Loved it. Steamboat's music. It was, it was very much like 
Because when he got to the WWF, he was the dragon. Yeah. And so it felt very... Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Like, like not like Asian inspired. It, but wasn't, it, was, it wasn't like... <laughs> it wasn't anything like that, but it was like... But it was just very... It was cool. It wasn't, like, yeah. But I enjoy- it wasn't like the plucky, like, uh, samurai movie, like... No, it was not that. thing either? Okay. But I enjoyed the music quite a bit. Yeah. Tully Blanchard got, got an entrance. He's obviously the heel because it's Ricky Steamboat. Exactly. Yeah. Match starts. Tully going, starts going after the ribs. So, obviously, that's what Ricky... Ricky's trying to been hiding. Yeah, I mean, the, that, that's, that's, that's... The that's, hurt that's, ribs. Yeah. Then we get the weird... This weird, like segment of basic them circling the ring like they're boxers like trying to find the right place to kind of like jab and yeah jab and move and everything and it was kind of weird for a wrestling match which i didn't understand yeah the, the like yeah the stalking around yeah thing stalking around i mean each it, each other, each it makes sense since he has the rib but it's still weird for a wrestling match yeah uh, you get the uh, intestinal fortitude of course uh, Steamboat speeds it back up with a couple of leapfrogs and a body slam. Swinging neckbreaker for a two count. We get a slingshot suplex by Steamboat, which means that he suplexes and puts uh, him off, on the ropes. Off the ropes, off yes, the ropes and yeah. everything. Which is, That's always a good I've move. Actually, like, I feel like that move has just kind of started coming back. Yeah, I feel like I've seen it a lot more often. And it always feels... It just looks good and it feels good. Yeah, looks really good. Uh, Tully bring, grabs some... He's on the outside on the apron. Steamboat is coming in and he grabs some brass knuckles out of his trunks. Goes to punch Steamboat. Misses the punch. But then Steamboat grabs him to give him a belly-belly suplex. And as they're going up, Blanchard... Hits him down. Hits him straight down in the face with the brass knucks. Tully then goes for a superplex off the top rope. Ricky pushes him off. Ricky goes off with a flying body press, but only gets the two count. Some more action happens. Ricky gets flung into the ropes. Ricky does a sunset flip. Tully's standing above him, grabs the knuckles out of his trunks again, hits him straight down. The ref never sees it, even though he's standing like right there. Drops down on his shoulders. One, two, three. Tully Blanchard steal. Still the champion. Not only does he retain, but he gets ten thousand dollars and ten thousand dollars richer. What exactly. A, what a what a bonus in '84. It's not even. It's yeah. It's Steamboat is ten thousand dollars too. It's 2019. I would take ten thousand dollars. Yeah. So once again, I would we get drop you for ten thousand dollars. I'd give you five thousand of it afterwards. <laughs> we'll just we're good. Get another replay of the finish, and then uh, Bob and Gordy start talking, and they're talking over each other. And Gordy looks super annoyed at this point. It was the like just weird, a weird, awkward moment. Like they just started talking over each other, and then like Gordy's face just like oh, this guy. But we move on to the tenth match. Yep. Wahoo McDaniel versus superstar what, what Billy Graham. Wah. What was it? I, I'm gonna mess it up. The, the when he was in the, when he played football. Another tackle made by Wah. Who? Okay, is that it? Yeah. I did it. Versus Billy Graham for the NWA US Heavyweight Championship. Uh, superstar Billy Graham, Hulk Hogan uh, 1.0. Yes. <laughs> Billy Graham's a member it, of the... the... Was it the, the, the is it 23-inch python? 23-inch python. <laughs> He's got a 23-inch python. 
So uh, Billy Graham is a member of the Professional Wrestling, WWE, and Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame. I couldn't, I really couldn't find a reason behind this match other than Wahoo basically started to hate everybody because he felt mistreated as a Native American. That makes sense. The announcer even says, let me tell you something about this Indian at some point. <laughs> which, wow. Like, yeah. Which, like, I mean, it's 84, but um, I don't I don't blame him uh, for being a little upset if even on the show that the announcer says, let me tell you something about this Indian. That's amazing. <laughs> Both Wahoo and Billy Graham get entrances, so... I'm guessing yeah. at this point everyone's getting entrances. Got to lead up to it, right? Exactly. My main note here about Billy Graham, uh, I think he already has found out about the steroids. The man looks terrifying. <laughs> he is so jacked. Yeah. I mean, I know he was a built bodybuilder. Dude was bigger than everybody else on this card put together. Yeah. Yeah, he looks gigantic. It's, it's absolutely insane. I feel also like the 23-inch python thing and the look... I don't know, uh, if, is Billy Graham alive? I'm not sure. Well, if he is, Hulk Hogan should like shoot him a cool mill, because I'm sure Billy Graham ain't loaded. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Literally, Graham gets a, locks on a full Nelson at one point, but Wahoo's able to escape by getting to the ropes. He throws Graham into the ropes and gives him a tomahawk chop to the throat. Yeah. And he pins him, and that's the one, two, three. Yeah, it's like a three-minute match, and it's like, what? I, yeah. I like it, my my big note at the end of this match is just bummer because it looks pretty good at first. Like it looks like Wahoo does like even some pretty gnarly stuff with uh, like some eye gouging and stuff. I know. I'm like it's, I feel like these yeah. two guys could have a really good match if given time, and it was just like yeah, maybe nope, it was one of those. This is what we're things where they're do. just like yeah. Billy Graham is big, and it, and I don't know if did he ever was he ever any kind of technical wrestler or was he basically the original no, Goldberg I think he was just basically <laughs> he's like ah just throw him in there he's scary alright as far as I know he was just a big guy who kind uh, of just tossed people around well he he jobbed uh, out to the uh, air quote Indian <laughs> in three minutes exactly also um, that tomahawk chop was pretty whack all his tomahawk other than it being to the, other than it being to the throat just looked like a regular old chop to yeah. the yeah like, this match was basically like, chops and Full and half Nelsons. Yeah. But they're having issues in the booth, so we get an intermission. So what do we get? Another replay of the finish of 83! Yay! I can't wait to never see that crossbody again. <laughs> exactly. So Tony, uh, we, we head back to the back with Tony. Tony's back there with Joe Frazier, Kyle ah. Petty, and Japanese wrestler Duke Kiyomuki who are the judges that will decide the winner of the main event... What is this about? ...if it goes to a time limit draw. What is that about? And what, 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 who's well, it? The thing is, is that it makes even less sense after you watch the main event. Like, why are these people here? I mean, they're trying to get famous people there, yes. obviously. Like, Joe Frazier, that's a big get. But, like, I mean, I don't know anything about NASCAR, uh, but Kyle Petty? But they're in North Carolina. Yeah. So Kyle I, Petty is huge. I know, but you know you know what I think of uh, North Carolina? Or maybe it's South Carolina. Maybe I don't know anything about either of them. I think of, like, Hootie and the Blowfish. That's South Carolina. <laughs> South Carolina, okay. It's, uh, just call it Carolina. Charlotte is, like, the capital of NASCAR. Oh, and Greensboro is very close to Charlotte, so. Yeah. I, I don't understand the Japanese wrestler being there, other than... They just got a wrestler? Yeah, I don't know. Because like, I don't I mean, even know who this guy is. Yeah, I guess as we go on, we'll see if there's any kind of relationship 
I know that uh, early WCW, there's a Eric Bischoff started a relationship with New Japan, and you got guys like Liger in like the yeah. first or maybe second episode of Nitro, and they started that. You know, Chris Benoit and Jericho and Eddie would go over there and do matches as well. But uh, I don't know if there was a whole lot of like trade off this early. In, in any of the yeah, like, territory I no days. clue. I mean, I'm sure he was probably an NWA guy because there was an NWA in the, in Japan. Yeah, but I don't like. I said it's I, like yeah. How do how do these? How would anybody know who he is? He's not. He's definitely not Kyle Petty. No, Kyle. Well, Pe- I don't know anything about Kyle Petty. <laughs> exactly. But like, but Tony basically goes to each guy asking for his thoughts on the match. Duke just kind of like, oh, it, it'll be a great match. Yeah, and, that's basically. And Kyle Petty's like, it'll be a great match, yeah. and if we have to make a decision, we will. Yeah. Joe Frazier has been hit in the head. Oh, go don't. A few too many times. I mean, he's not. He's, Did you he's, understand what he said? He's a boxer. He's not a, a a television personality. But yeah, no. Did you understand what he said? He didn't say anything, but none of these guys did. Leave Joe That's alone. true. That's true. I'm so the, I'm I'm Team Joe until this match ends. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So we're gonna go to the eleventh match, the main event, Ric Flair versus Dusty Rhodes with special guest referee. Special guest referee Joe Frazier, <laughs> who's also a judge. If the match goes I mean, to a time who, limit draw, who better to judge the match than the guy that was in the ring? Exactly. For the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Also. Um, is this also for a million dollars, right? Yes, that's this the whole, is the million dollar the challenge. Thing. Like I don't even think anybody cares about the about the belt when there is a million, million dollars dollar challenge, online. Which is it? Was this show before we get into this? I don't know if we covered it earlier, but is this show booked supposedly booked by Dusty? It is booked by Dusty. Okay, million dollar challenge is definitely. I know that Dusty came up with that for sure. I'm excited to continue to see if Dusty was always bad at finishes or not. There's a reason there's a term called the dusty finish. That's true. I know. But he's just so good on a promo, you would just want to love him. Speaking of Dusty Rhodes, he is a member of the NWA, Professional Wrestling, WCW, WWE, and Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame. So the story behind the match, it's obviously Dusty Rhodes challenged Flair last Last year year, at Starcade 83. Yeah, lucky for um, Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair still has the belt. One whole year later. Flair had held the belt for the entire year, except for 18 days. When it was back to Harley Race? When he had lost to Kerry Von Erich. Well, here's the thing. He also lost it for two days to Harley Race. But in Australia. But it was never recognized. <laughs> yeah. The title change to Kerry Von Erich was yeah. recognized. Or, or is at least recognized at this point yeah. in history. It's also, yeah, the lack of television, eyes on the product makes it so interesting. It's the goddamn Wild West. Exactly. On to the match. First thing I got. Did we just get Pyro? Oh, I think that there was Yeah, we got a we got a pop of Pyro. Wasn't there a, some Pyro uh, like a like a a firework, a small firework in Starcade 83 for Ric Flair? I don't I thought it was just a disco ball. <laughs> it could have been. I there yeah. Anyway, yeah, Pyro. Bring back Pyro. What is this music for Dusty? Is it sexy time or is it wrestling time? Because it literally sounded like yeah, Prince. I like the I like the weird porno music because it it makes sense with his I don't know it doesn't I don't know if it makes sense but I like the juxtaposition of him being like this bigger not particularly attractive guy that is very charismatic and then they play like 
grinding jams. Yeah. And then, of course, we get my favorite song and yours. Spot Zarathustra! It's the 2001 song. Like, does anybody actually, like, listen to that song? Like, I'm sure there's, I mean, obviously. Only me. It's only me. <laughs> no, 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 people listen to that song, but does anybody listen to that song and it's, like, part of, like, opera or whatever it came from? It's, uh, who's responsible for that? Tune? Strauss. Strauss. Like, is it people ever listen to that song as a piece of Strauss music, or is it just the song from, like, one of the greatest movies of all time at this point? They're or the Ric Flair they're, they're, or the Ric Flair slash Charlotte Flair There are Flair probably people song. who listen to it as a Strauss song, who are super into well, classical you know, of music. Of course, but like, yeah. And then you have wrestling fans who listen to it, yeah, because they're Ric Flair fans. Yeah. And then you have me who listens to it majo- whenever I watch the, a Ric Flair match, the, or whenever I watch 2001, like every three years. And then you have pop culture who listens to it because it's the 2001 yeah. song. Yes, uh-huh. 2001 is so goddamn good. So the match starts. Dusty starts out on the offensive, but Flair makes the comeback, misses a knee drop, and Dusty locks in the figure four, but Flair gets to the ropes. And then we get some classic Flair spots. We get the, he gets chopped, and so he stumbles and falls face first into the mat. Do you remember that? Like, he always does that. Like, he gets, like, a hard chop and then just kind of, like, stumbles around and just, like... Yeah, you're... And, and then he gets the whip into the corner where he flips over the top rope and out onto the ground. That's like a big Ric Flair move yeah. as well. It's like literally in every match he ever does. It's like basically doing the, the, the Hogan finish but starting the match with it. Yeah, <laughs> Ric Flair finally gets back in the, uh, into the ring. He's styling and profiling, doing his little dance. Dusty's up, press slams Rick off the top rope. But Flair gets a sleeper on, but Dusty uses the momentum his momentum, and tosses Flair through the ropes onto the ground. Once Flair gets up, he pulls Dusty out by the legs, out of the ring, and throws him into the ring post, busting open a cut above the right eye. And then Flair starts just working that cut like a man possessed, in Gordon's great words. Like a man possessed. I like that uh, way Joe Frazier, like... Joe Frazier has been in a, a bunch of rings. They're not a, a, a boxing ring is probably quite a bit different than a wrestling ring in, in its feel and everything. Not much. But Joe Frazier, the way he walks around the ring is very like heavy feet, and it's like you're a boxer. Why are your feet so heavy? He's kind of like stomping around the place like a drunk toddler. It's very bizarre. He's got a very heavy foot. He looks so, out of place. Yeah, he definitely looked out of place. But like Frazier, kind of keep Flair keeps going in like hitting. Dusty and yeah. Frazier would kind of pull him away and be like, "Let me, let me check this cut. Let me which check this they, cut." And then, then I, it's a, not, it's a wrestling match and not a boxing match, which is obviously the exactly. thing. That's the thing that they're selling. But give me a break. Yeah. In hindsight, he basically does it yeah. a couple. He basically does it a couple times, and then finally, even the Japanese wrestler Duke comes over at one point, and Joe yeah. is like talking to him. Yeah. And like, what do I do? You know, or at least that's what the announcers are trying to play up a little bit. I don't know. If that's yeah. Finally checks the eye, stops the match. It's so disappointing because it's so fun. I want to see, I want to see Dusty Rhodes bleed. I want to see him make a comeback, and I don't care if he wins or loses. I want to see him fight through it. And Joe Frazier's gonna say, "With all that blood in your eye, it was exactly that's the excuse." And I hate it. Like literally after the match, Dusty starts to try and go after Frazier, yeah. but some luckily some guys came in from the back and held him back. 
Jim Crockett hands Flair the million dollar check. Do they show the million dollar check? He shows or is it. Is it just like a floppy like check? It's not. It's not. Well, a, he shows yeah. it in the interview in the back, and like, like literally, if you had like a good cam, like HD camera <laughs> nowadays on it, it, pr- it probably it was a real check. But who knows if it actually is like it was not legal, legal like, tender uh, or whatever. Let me remind you, there was 16,000 people there. Exactly. In 1984, they weren't spending, uh, you know, like $100 a seat. But then we basically go to Bob and Gordy. They're trying to make sense of what we saw. They show a replay of the finish. Um, what finish? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Tony's in the locker room with Ric Flair. Basically says he did what he intended to do. Hold on to the belt and get that check. And then we get Bob and Gordy. They're kind of... I do like the Dusty with the, with the wrapped face. Yes. It, was it a bandage or was it a bed no, sheet? No, it's just like a shitty towel. It was a bed it's sheet a, of some sort. Yeah, it's just like, yeah. Bob and Gordy are trying to wrap up the evening. And they were in this weird, like, like sweet looking thing in the background. And they had... People could see in. And all of a sudden... Like, this black gentleman just, like, walks into oh, the yeah. picture. He's the MVP of the show, honestly. <laughs> just, like... Because like, he, like, he, like, looks for a while, like, then he, like, kind of walks like, off, and then he looks what's back. What's going yeah, on? Yeah. And so they cut away yeah. from it, and you still hear Bob and Gordy talking. And eventually, there he's just smiling. Yeah. He's just like, oh, I'm going to be on TV. But you can see that everybody's, like, left. Everybody's, like, been there. Deuces. Yeah, yeah like, the whole arena is gone. They cut back to Tony, who's now in the back with Dusty, wearing that bandage. He says, this ain't boxing, and he's coming after Joe Frazier, and he's not yeah, he's over. disappointed be- with the call. Of course he should be. And it's not over between him and Flair, which it definitely isn't. They they match up quite a few times over the next few years. Bob and Gordy say goodnight, and we get a highlights package from the entire evening. Uh, give me the highlight. And then you're like, okay, that's the end of the show. And then all of a sudden, Tony Schiavone's on the screen with Joe Frazier, and I still have no clue what Joe Frazier said. <laughs> oh, man. I think I might have some notes. And I was looking at my, some of my dusty ones. Uh, oh, something about stitches in my head. This ain't no victory. Blah, blah, blah. One of the, I think t- Tony Schiavone says, Dusty Rhodes has become a raging bull himself. Which is so weird since yeah, his no, tag no, team no. partner is raging bull. Yeah. That's, Joe Frazier just says, we talked about it before the match. That's all he says is like, he had blood in his eye. We talked about it before the match. And he kind of like repeats himself and it's, yeah, obviously this is the the dusty finish. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. So overall thoughts of Starcade 84? Uh, I think that I had more fun with this show because there was more, than 83, there was more actual wrestling. There was more like technical moves. There was more souplays. <laughs> Are you just gonna go around and be like, oh, that's, that's not a suplex. suplex. That's, that's a suplex. I won't do that. I'll just make the joke to you because you're the only person that's gonna that's gonna put up with my fucking my suplex. All of the millions, yeah, and millions <laughs> of listeners that we have. Yeah, one at a time, baby. But no, I had more fun with this show, even though the finishes were way more confusing. And like, I don't know if if there was there any like clean finish in this whole show. Because I think all of my notes say, like, what Wahoo, Wahoo versus Superstar Billy Graham. Yeah, which is very funny. Let's see here. That was a brass knuckle. That was a chain. Ref bump. Oh. Ref bump. Yeah. I mean, I guess technically Raging Bull beat Black Bart by the schoolboy roll-up. There you go. 
But yeah, uh, even though this show had no finishes, the I literally I had, this match, yeah, this show had. I think that maybe what no it, like finishes. I had fun watching both of them, but when it, I think that '84, uh, like just it starting with like a junior heavyweight match that started with three head scissors, I was like, ah, it didn't start with a with wrist control. <laughs> like I think that I had more fun with this show. Plus, I got uh, more dusty, and that's always fun. I mean, I'm I'm actually on the complete opposite. I, I know we talked it's about it. It's not as good, in my opinion. It's not as good as Starcade '83. I feel like there was only a couple of standout matches. I think it's it. I think it maybe it just there were so faster? so many weird, know. so many weird endings to matches that it was just yeah. like. What the thing is, is like going that, like going into it, there's not really any weight for me, and there's not even anything that I can watch that would add weight to it at this point, anyway. Yeah. So like. I'm going to talk about like pure enjoyment. I mean, I had a really fun time looking at my TV and throwing my arms up in front of nobody when every match ended and be like, what was that? <laughs> I literally yeah, I did fun. that in most yeah. of these matches. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. So I feel like it's time for us to smark it up. Okay. What were some of your favorite moments Man, from Starcade 84? I don't know. I, I mean, love- obviously, I know you love the head scissors to begin the... The junior heavyweight match. That's, that's a big one for me. And then uh, who was it that did the the crawling headbutt? I was a big fan. Oh, of that the was the Dick Slater. Head. Yes. Cowboy Ron Bass. I like match. I like Dick Slater, and his uh, crawling headbutt was nice. I love any kind of headbutt because they always look mean. They either look they really, look, they they look, look really they look, vicious, or they yeah, look or they look like shit. But like look, when they yeah. if, if they're done well, they just look so nasty. And I like me a good headbutt, and especially one crawling on his knees and a headbutt. Like come on, like the kind of grit that I was into. I appreciated the Nikita Kolov bear hugs because they weren't. They felt I, I felt the bear hug. Exactly. Yeah. Like it wasn't. Yeah, it didn't feel like like a rest hold. It felt like a bear hug. I'd say a couple of my favorite moments. Uh, definitely good to see some of the flair classic moments kind of because yeah. like he didn't do them in the harley race match in 83 and so kind of just seeing him I mean, for the yeah, first watch, time watching him develop literally one of my favorite moments is as assassin one coming out in the tuxedo i oh, just yeah. i literally started laughing when i saw i was just like why? Like, i don't want to watch the tuxedo match again because it don't take me all of six minutes to watch it why but, is he wearing a tuxedo yeah i just I started remember watching that match and being like what is going on because like i was trying to figure out why they were wearing tuxedos and i can't even remember for the life of me how he got tied to the ropes. and the fact that that match had so many stipulations it's a tuxedo uh-huh. street fight to loser leaves town Three. match okay was it no DQ on top of that? It was a street fight. I mean, so always a street fight. Yeah, never mind. No. So what was your favorite match of the evening? Oh, I don't know. It's hard to say the last one was my favorite because it was barely a match when you yeah. think about it. I mean, I, I'm going to go with the Koloffs versus Anderson Larson. I, I, think... I had a good. I had a really good time with that match. I think that, like I said, the way that they played it up with, like, instead of doing the National Anthem before the main event, did it before the you know USA versus Russia match. Yeah. So it popped real hard and the crowd was going nuts and uh, it felt good. How about most disappointing? Could be a moment, could be a match. I would say the most disappointing thing is the match being called off because of a cut over the eye because right I was excited for that match. Because I'm like, okay. you've heard so much about Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair just having these great matches, and I'm like, all right, sweet, yeah. we're gonna see, we're gonna see like one, cool. and then it's just like. It started good. What? I had a fun time. 
Like, it yeah, it started out great, and then it just, like, was over before you expected it. How about Performer of the Night? Oh, I mean, I'm, I, I've already said it. I'm a Dick Slater guy. You're but Dick, Dick Slater guy? You love Dick. Uh, yeah. You love the Dick. I love, I, I love me some DS. The, uh, I don't know, Steamboat, every single, uh, and uh, Charlie Brown. Jimmy Valant. Jimmy, Jimmy, sorry, Jimmy Valant. Charlie Brown. He becomes Charlie Brown because he, he, gets, he gets kicked out of town. So he was... He was Charlie, Charlie Brown, Brown in 83, 83. And then somehow he became Jimmy Valiant again. And now he's kicked out of town again. So he'll most likely become... Wait, was he kicked out of town in 83? Jimmy Valiant Jimmy was. Jimmy Valiant was, or had already been kicked out of town. Yes. And that's why he had the mask on. That's why he, had, that's why he was that's Charlie why Brown. that's why the guy so hard because they're like, oh, that's Jimmy Valiant. Exactly. Oh, man. Uh, my performer of the night... I'm gonna go with Steamboat. I mean, I, I think you probably say that. For I the think next, it's gonna like, probably be a running eight, thing where he's gonna be the like, performer of the night, just because. Like, I mean, what did he really have hurt ribs? Was it all kayfabe? You know that <laughs> kind of thing. But I, I still felt like the match was put on, and the, there was good storytelling in the. That was in, the best storytelling in the whole show. In the hurt, hurt, in the whole show, probably hurt from ribs. from from either show. I was some of the better like in ring storytelling. Yeah. Um, anything surprising? Most surprising moments of the night? We could bring it back to that stupid, stupid call. How about the, that? Nine. Of, how about nine of the eleven matches had finishes that were just like, what? That was pretty surprising, but not as surprising after watching '83. I guess. I mean, I don't know. '83 didn't have that. It had a few that yeah. were just like, what? It had but more than, than the finishes were just kind of like, yeah. The '83 was like. Yeah. Because I think we're just so used to seeing, you know, set up, finisher, pin. Yeah. Set up, finisher, finisher pin. pin. That's what we're that's what we're used to seeing now in 2019. But back then it was just like, well, let's just do a regular move, cover them, and that might be enough to win yeah. it. Because because then because then a three count could come at any point. Yeah. And I and I think I mean, that's I something you at the time. I was like, what is with these finishes? But this in '84, it's like there are so many just dusty like finishes. dusty finishes, basically. <laughs> exactly. I mean, the most surprising thing was Joe Frazier call. It's a, that match felt, was felt so disappointing. Do you think that anybody left Starcade '84 and was like stoked because they? Yeah, I feel we like they, saw a great show. Yeah, I feel like yeah, the show was pretty fun up until like I mean, there was all those things, but they all came for this match, and the match didn't end in a pin. I could understand. I would watch Starcade '83 again in a heartbeat over '84. Oh yeah, there's just too many weird finishes for '84 for me. And then you get two less matches, but so it gives them it gives them more time to to do stuff in the ring. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I really loved the Koloff Anderson Larson match. Yeah, that was uh, like I said, that was my favorite match of the night. Well, that, enough about Starcade '83. This is '84. '84. That's what I meant. <laughs> Thanks All right, I got your back. You got me. But now it's time for a look even further back into the history of wrestling. The Dusty Finish. We left off with the beginning of the Traveling Carnivals, who brought in athletes that were very impressive. The more impressive, the more people would pay and bet on them. This is where the idea of controlling the outcome became popular. Sometimes the opponent was in on it, sometimes they weren't. Submission holds and other tricks were used when they weren't. This period was the true beginning of the one true sport. The beautiful moment when a sport gave up some of its legitimacy for the sake of entertainment and money. Next week, join us as we talk about WrestleMania 1.
Are you? How excited are you? I'm pretty excited. I almost watched it the other day, but I was like, man, I don't know when we we're going to record it. And I listened to these a while ago. I'm glad I got you, Maddie. <laughs> Your memory is impeccable. So the music, of course, for this episode, opening music, the theme music from Starcade by Frank Stallone, and Spash Zarathustra by Strauss. Is there any way we can get that uh, horn national anthem in here? Or is that too big of an ass? I, I don't know. You, you, this show's worth watching. For yes. The, for, I mean, it's a, it's a good national anthem. Yes. Skip skip the national anthem at 83 <laughs> and just go straight to the national anthem at 84. <laughs> if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can always uh, email us at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com. And you can also contact us on Twitter, WrestlingHistoX. That's Wrestling H I S T O X. We'll talk to you next week.